This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by Zach Holdsworth. Zach is a brilliant founder, CEO, co-founder and CEO of a company called Hint Health. He's also a Stanford Graduate School of Business uh, graduate and just a uh, gifted person. Zach, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about Hint Health? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, um, really excited to be here. Um, I'm a I'm actually from New Zealand, um, so came over to the US in about 2009. And as you mentioned, went to Stanford to do my MBA. And I got very interested. I'd always been pretty entrepreneurial and I got very interested in um, in, in kind of startups and, and specifically healthcare. And so wanted to um, kind of try to find a way to join the healthcare system, but in a way that was sort of authentic um, to me. But also I had this thesis that kind of the healthcare system is kind of fairly fundamentally broken um, in terms of just payment models and business models. And so I wanted to try to build a company that innovated along those lines. And we, um, we, were, we were trying to find something that was kind of in theory could fundamentally transform US healthcare. Um, and so I decided to start a company called Hint Health. And the kind of initial customer base that we identified um, that was we had a lot of alignment with was the direct primary care movement. What we found was is that these direct primary care doctors were um, kind of stepping outside the traditional third-party payer system um, in a way that was kind of eliminating perverse incentives, was um, kind of bringing back price transparency and also removing a lot of the administrative overhead that is traditionally associated with the fee-for-service system. Um, and they were doing so in such a way that was improving the patient experience as well as actually improving their own live, you know, their own experience with how they interacted with healthcare and with patients and, um, and, and, and sort of bringing the, the love of medicine back. And so we just, we thought that, you know, in theory, this concept would, you know, if, if every American could have this type of care, if every physician could deliver care under a model like this, then it would be a fundamental transformation the way care is delivered in the US. So we decided to start Hint Health to, um, to help support this movement. And um, we, built, uh, we built our company you know, on that thesis. And yeah, happy to share more about what we do, but that's the sort of genesis story for how we came about. No, thank you. And tell us what Hint Health actually does, because I mean, tell us what you guys actually do. Yeah, for sure. So we, we're, we've built um, a product called HintOS, which is really the operating system for um, uh, direct primary care providers. Um, you know, we're serving a lot of you know, virtual first care groups now. We're also supporting um, you know, near site clinics that are uh, and, and groups that are direct contracting with employers. And what we do is we, you know, essentially power the enrollment and eligibility management and the billing for these business models. So on the one hand, if it's a small independent direct primary care provider that is contracting with an you know, has a, you know, individual paying the monthly membership fee um, under the direct primary care model, our membership management system will handle that process of enrollment uh, and billing kind of end to end. On the other hand, if you're a group that's uh, contracting with employers under, a, let's say, a PMPM based model or under a direct contracted based model, then our system handles the eligibility feeds. We handle the billing. We um, have integrations with a number of EMRs um, to sort of sync all that data over to, to the clinical system. So we basically become the, 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 the core operating system for these provider groups. 
um, to allow them to, to and, run and an operating question. Question. Was, was the hard part is the hard part getting are the customers the primary care groups or are they the patients who are the customers are the customers the big primary care groups or the, or the physician groups yeah our customers are the primary care doctors so they're um we, we serve the provider and, and and how hard was it i mean you've now been in this for seven years what was the hardest part of getting it going was it was it building technology was it starting to get customers talk about starting a you know a, a technology company like this and, and what were the big big challenges in really getting started because now you've been in seven years done an unbelievable job talk to us a little bit about you know getting this started first customers when did you get your first customers how hard was that to start build critical mass customers and so forth yeah so it's interesting you know when we started the business we thought oh how hard could this be it's it's just a membership management system and it turns out that it it's actually quite complicated to build um, kind of an enterprise grade um, platform that can support, um, you know, both the the kind of direct consumer and direct employer contracting under a single roof and in a way that's scalable that can serve kind of this community. So it, it's sort of we were a little bit surprised at how, you know, how much we went into building the platform. But I'd say the thing we've been most focused on and the thing that we've kind of invested the most in is really building out community. Um, we, when we started, I'd say it was relatively easy to get customers because we were one of the first, if not the first group that was actually building technology to support these communities. And so we, um, you know, and, and so, you know, getting, building that community early was, we were sort of newcomers and we were kind of technologists that were, um, no one had any idea who we were. And so we were, um, you know, it was relatively easy to, to to kind of show them that we could create some value, but making sure that we did so in a way that was authentic to the movement and ensuring that we were kind of um, uh, basically, um, you know, building in a way that met the needs of the movement and that was authentic to the movement. That was sort of something we really invested in and continued to do to, so to this day. And I'd say that one of the biggest challenges for us is that as we continue to grow and scale, um, the stakeholders we're serving have grown as well. We and 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 trying to figure out how to um, kind of integrate new new customer segments into our customer base while maintaining that authenticity to our core customer group. That's been a um, something we've really focused on a lot, and has been yeah, you know, it's been challenging, but I think we've done a good job there. But, but that's really a fascinating story for entrepreneurs as you grow into having more sophisticated customers. They expect what you talk about is the enterprise grade software and you have a few primary care physicians to start with they're happy to have the product they're learning and so forth but you start to build an enterprise grade like client base and 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 product that that's a big step up and a big growth part of the curve isn't it yeah for sure and one of the things that i've found really interesting is is that you know some of our more sophisticated kind of larger customers today actually started off as very small independent clinics and they grew from um, a couple of doctors into a kind of a national scale network of providers. Um, so it's been really interesting to see the journey of our of our clients kind of pulling us along with them as well um, and kind of really push, pushing us to get better. So that's been a fun, fun journey. Oh, that's just fantastic. And sometimes that's the best way to grow with customers that you grow with. They know you, they've grown with you, it's, it's organic, magnificent. 
Talk about building a company like yours. What do you look at as the core competencies of the company? How do you sort of look at that when you say, we have to really stack resources in X, Y, and Z. What are those core competencies for the type of software as a service company that you have that you've built? What, what are you, how do you look at that? Yeah, I'd say that, you know, if you look at it, just our, our, our head count, we would say, you know, close to, um, let's say, you know, three-fifths in product and engineering or R&D. And one, if you sort of think about what we're doing, no one's really done what we're doing because we're, you know, when we started, we were serving a relatively new or essentially a brand new community um, that hadn't really been served by the, you know, by technologists. Um, and so for us, really having a keen eye on the right way to build product um, and the right way to kind of build a technology platform, because often customers will ask for you know they'll ask for you know a, a better horse but you, you know you've heard the, obviously the famous quote but we you know you know we Ford built a car right so our clients off they're not product people right they're they're doctors and they need to be served by technology so trying to figure out how to make sure that we're building the right thing for the long term um, while also listening to our customers that is I'd say you know the the, the kind of the core um, thing that we, we have to be really good at here at Hint um, because we're doing something new that hasn't really done been done before. And uh, Absolutely. So 60% of that count on really improving the product constantly, and that's a never-ending battle. That's a, that's, a, that's a lifetime of the company battle of constantly improving it. Um, and then the other 40% of people, is it in distribution and sales? Is it a key account management? Is it, have you brought yet finances in-house, what does it look like? People are always trying to figure out, you know, we're a big proponent in a software service company. Everything is spent the first few years on building the product. Like you said, 600 people there on just constantly improving the product. And then 30, 40% not forget to commercialize and make sure you're actually finding customers that use this and so forth. How do you look at it beyond those first 60% that are technologists and, and building the product? Where are the, where are the other core competencies? Yeah, so we, we've got a, a really big focus on customer customer service and kind of account management. One of the things I like to tell my team is, um, you know, when our clients call in, I, I want you to give them, I want us to be able to give them the experience that you would want when you call someone. <laughs> um, and so we have really responsive customer service. There's, we, you know, we know who we're talking to. We're, we're um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're trying to be responsive, you know, very, you know, relatively short customer response time in the, in the one to two hour range is our goal typically. Um, and so we've got a heavy investment in really just customer success and, and client management. Um, beyond that, we've got, um, I'd say a relatively lean sales and marketing automate, um, marketing organization. Our, um, our, you know, I'd say the majority of our clients come from kind of word of mouth and through referrals. Um, and, and that's something we're really proud of. Um, however, we do host um, Hint Summit, which is, I'd say at this point, probably the largest um, kind of collection of, you know, um, people kind of trying to um, innovate in kind of business models and primary care. Um, and, 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 and it's really a, a place where our community comes together. That's a huge investment for us every year. And, um, and, 
you know, it's an absolutely awesome conference that we host. So that takes actually a good amount of time for, for us to pull together and is a big investment on our half. And then the other piece, which is um, a fairly significant investment at Hint is kind of our data analytics and data operations teams. One of the things we're doing for our clients is often, you know, they're interfacing, if, if we've got clients that are interfacing with employers or TPAs to get feeds of eligible um, members or, you know, basically get information from the employers, often that data is coming from relatively antiquated systems. Um, and so we've got, actually got a team that handles that kind of importing of information to Hint in a way that is kind of clean and consistent because our clients are relying on that. So we've got a, a data operations team and data analytics team that does a lot of work around that type of area. Um, and we're also very data driven. So we've, um, you know, we've got you know, two or three folks in that team that are kind of full time looking at our data and trying to figure out ways to improve. Thank you. One more question. Hey, brilliant person comes from New Zealand. How does a brilliant person who went to school in New Zealand, I believe, I think, how do you end up at, at Stanford Graduate School of Business, one of the great, great institutions in the world in, in business? How does a guy get from New Zealand to Stanford and then back to New Zealand, quite frankly? Yeah, well, you get back to New Zealand when there's a global pandemic and you um, kind of get, get a bit scared of what's going on because um, New Zealand in that way is a, is a bit of a sanctuary. Um, but I, I'd say my uh, ever since I was a boy, I'd actually dreamed of coming to Silicon Valley. Uh, my dad had the first computer in, his, in our town, basically. Um, and and I, I'd always sort of, and I come, I'd say I came from an entrepreneurial family. We were farmers, but we also had kind of a technology business, manufacturing business. And I, I think I got the entrepreneurial bug from a young age. So I'd say that, you know, getting into Stanford is, you know, you've got to work hard to do it, but you've also, I think, got to be a little bit lucky. And I'd say that, I for sure had my fair share of luck. I, I had a, I'd say a varied career, right? I, I worked in as a technology, as an engineer, I worked as a consultant. I had my hand at entrepreneurship before I came to Stanford. Um, I'd um, you know, done, done all sorts of things. And I'd say one of the things that I'd say, you know, people, uh, yeah. And so, so I obviously got into Stanford, was, I'd say a little bit lucky there. And the rest is history. Once I got accepted to Stanford, I was, um, you know, uh, what there was no going back. It was my basically my dream to be in Silicon Valley. So it just all came together, um, and uh, here I am today. So so magnificent. So I guess the real question then becomes, what kind of computer did your father have when he was the first guy in town to have a computer? You know, yeah, you know a... back in our day, it was a Radio Shack type thing. But what, yeah, what, what did that look like? <laughs> I think it was a Commodore PET was the um, was the computer. I mean, we came from a town of twenty thousand people or something like that, um, and I think it was a Commodore PET. And yeah, that was the, uh, that was what I can remember. I remember playing the Space Invaders with like letters, basically. You know, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. All the those those that are my age and I'm older than you remember those days. Right? And and right. Zach Hallsworth. I want to thank you, Hint Health. Thank you for joining us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Just a pleasure to learn about you, about what you're doing, and, and so forth. Thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.